This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin, Super Spreading Bitcoin 2022. Today is January the 28th. 2022 that date sounds so familiar it brings me back to 2001 there was some super bowl between baltimore and new york 34 to 7 ray lewis defense i don't even watch the nfl anymore i'm having some flashback strong hand long-term thinking bitcoin is the next bitcoin one day closer to returning to an all-time high this is where the big boys play i'm offended by selling compete don't complain Conviction, defiance over compliance. We're going to talk about all of that today. All right, we got Tone here today. He's making his uh, triumphant comeback. We got Phil. Steve Barber is supposed to join us. I don't know where the heck Steve is, but uh, maybe he will join us. Who knows? But I got to read this because, hey, we're going to talk about the unconfiscatable conference in Las Vegas, which I'm going to be at. But I got to talk about the Bitcoin 2022 conference in Miami, too. I don't know if these guys are going to be there. They were there last year. We'll talk about a little bit about that. But I got to read this to you because they're put, helping putting on this show. Those guys in Miami, Bitcoin Magazine, Bitcoin 2022, is the largest Bitcoin event in the world that takes place April 6th and 9th in Miami Beach, Florida. All four days will be jam-packed with exclusive content, exciting announcements, ooh, and an incredible lineup of Bitcoin speakers, artists, and leaders. Day one is industry day for enterprising Bitcoiners who are looking to build a business or career within the ecosystem. Day two and three are general conference days featuring speakers like El Salvador president, I can't pronounce his name, who has promised a big surprise, as well as CEOs like Michael Saylor, Elizabeth Stark, Jack Mallers, Adam Back, and hundreds more. And you'll be able to touch Adam Meister's hair. The conference cats off on the fourth day with the world's first and largest Bitcoin music festival, Sound Money Fest, headlined by rapper and fellow Bitcoiner Logic, Steve Akoi. Akoki, he just like did something with like NFTs or something. Anyway, CL, Run the Jewels, San Holo, I don't know these dudes, and many more. Last year's conference sold out, and it was a lot of fun. And this year's is on pace to be three times larger. That means like 30,000 freaking people. So make sure you grab your tickets before it's too late. Uh, visit b.tc slash conference and learn, learn more. Pay in Bitcoin. Oh, I, I, well, I'm offended by selling. And save. Use promo code ADAM10. It's linked to below, people, for a 10% uh, discount. Uh, and I'll see you guys in Miami. But I'll see you dudes in Las Vegas, too, at Unconfiscatable. And we are going to talk about that. We're going to give away some tickets during this show to Tones event that I'm so excited about. Uh, now, there's not going to be 30,000 people there. But there are going to be a plenty of darn people there. So pretty hardcore freaking Bitcoiners there. So we will talk about that. But let's first start up with Phil here coming in for the great state of Texas where I happen to be right now. But uh, there's this address ownership proof protocol. Why on earth is Trezor complying to this thing? What is this address ownership proof protocol and, wh and why are wallets – giving in to the, I mean, it seems like it's, it's pure, pure compliance here. So Phil, explain what this is and uh, what's going on. What's up, Adam? Thanks so much for having me back on the show, man. It's been a while. 
Uh, psyched to be here. I'm here at the uh, Unchained Capital headquarters at the Bitcoin capital of the world in Austin, Texas. Uh, we just moved to a, a new building that was constructed pre-Federal Reserve, of course. So we got some sound sound office space now. Um, yeah, big big news this week, I think, is these, this, uh, uh, this protocol that uh, Trezor, they announced that they were going to support. And then actually, as of today, I believe they announced that they're withdrawing support for this protocol. Um, Trezor wasn't the only open source uh, or, or hardware wallet that, that supports it. I know the Bitbox team was leading the, the charge on it. Um, Trezor, there was Sparrow, there was Blue Wallet, and many other uh, open source wallet developers uh, that were supporting this. Uh, basically, my understanding of it is that in order to comply with certain regulations in Europe, um, if you have, if you're providing an exchange, an address to withdraw to, to take control of your keys and to take control of your Bitcoin, you have to prove to the exchange that you own or control the address uh, by signing a message. So it was my understanding that this upgrade or, or user experience improvement was really uh, making signing cryptographic messages a little bit more user friendly. But the reason that they were doing that was kind of, uh, kind of icky because it was to comply with some regulations that weren't necessarily being enforced. Um, there's pros and cons to that. I mean, I think it's actually kind of a good idea to collaborate with who you are uh, partnering with in order to ensure that when you withdraw your Bitcoin, they're sending the Bitcoin to an address that you control. So there's definitely some benefit in proving ownership over an address when you're talking about withdrawing large sums of, of money. But at the same time, we definitely want to be pushing back against that uh, government overreach. We don't want any of these uh, kind of tracking policies to be uh, used against us. So I think it was a the, the functionality wise is actually in a lot of ways more privacy preserving than something like sharing an extended public key with an exchange or with a wallet provider, because all you're doing is signing a message saying, I have the keys to this address versus when you're sharing an extended public key, you're saying, here's my whole wallet of addresses. Uh, but the reason that they were, they were putting it out there was to comply with, I think this like FATF rule or travel rule. And that's kind of BS that we want to avoid. So uh, pros and cons to you know being able to confirm ownership. I think uh, if you're working with an exchange, it's probably a good idea to ensure that they're going to withdraw funds into an address that you control the keys to. Uh, how we do that is is I guess the devil's really in the details. Well, yeah, it's, there there are two countries in Europe that already require this, so they're they're doing this uh, for for those countries' sakes. I forgot which which they are. I'm sure there are others that want to do this. I, I'm just. <laughs> I'm sure it's an interesting uh, protocol or whatever, um, but uh, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, giving, being compliant to to what governments want. We we've seen what compliance gets you. It's a it's a slippery slope uh, we've been living through for the last two years here. So, uh, Tone, do you have any thoughts on this? Where's Tone? Tone's muted. Yeah, mute, un unmute yourself. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Um, this was a big deal over the last 24 hours. And uh, look, I didn't really know about this, but the exchange made a rule, not every country, but some countries made a rule that if you're going to withdraw the Bitcoin from the exchange, you need to prove to them that you own that address you are withdrawing to. Now, they can claim that this is for your safety. But at the same time, obviously, they want to track where the money goes. So some of these wallets just made it easier for you to prove that you own 
this address, right? You can do this with a Trezor. It just takes a little bit of more effort. Like you can sign and verify a transaction, right? You can sign and verify your address. So some of these open source wallets or some of these user-friendly wallets just made it easier for you to prove that you are the owner of that address. And I think this is being blown out a little bit out of proportion. Um, if, uh, I mean, if the Bitcoin community doesn't want ease of use of a wallet, then we should all be using command line like the way Satoshi was originally storing his coins, right? Like, like Trezor was originally designed so that the, um, a simple user, like the gra gra maybe not grandma, but you know, someone in their 40s and 50s are able to use uh, Bitcoin. Now, uh, signing and validating that you own that address with a Trezor uh, is a little bit tricky. And they made it a lot easier. And yes, that makes it very, very compliant with these regulators. But um, uh, by removing that, yes, they are making the old school Bitcoiner happier, but they're not really changing anything. The exchange still assumes the, the Bitcoin is going to your address. Chainalysis still will assume you are withdrawing it to yourself. The problem is withdrawing the Bitcoin, right? Withdraw the dollars into your bank account, take out the cash while cash still exists, and go buy Bitcoin in some other way that like at least keeps everything private. Like honestly, this doesn't really change all that much. I understand that this is just one more step and the next time they might demand you know, the public seed instead of the public address, like the public key instead of the public address. I can understand where it's going. So stopping it now could kind of help, but that's not going to stop them. Like the, the government regulator is not going to sit there and go, oh, they made it just harder for people to prove they own the address. That means we're not going to ask them for the public seed. You know, that's not, that's, that's not how they're going to be thinking at the end of the day, um, I think it's being blown out a little bit out of proportion, but my fellow uh, Bitcoin maxis might disagree. Okay. Yeah. Again, I, I, you, you allude to the slippery, the slippery slope, um, and maybe they will ask for more next time. I'm just, uh, you bring up some good points too. That it's, it, it is something that is, uh, it helps. It make, it make, it makes things easier for people too. So. Uh, yeah, I think actually just just to add one more uh, piece to that, to, to Tone's point, what's nice about uh, standardizing the way that you sign cryptographic messages and prove ownership is it can actually benefit you. So if you imagine you're in a multi-sig arrangement with a third party and you want that third party to prove to you that they have the key that they say they have, um, standardizing the way that you sign transactions or sign messages like this could help you. You could then have a log of, you know, Okay, my my collaborative custody partner checked in a couple months ago, proved that they have ownership of the key. So there's actually some, I think, user benefits um, to standardizing how we sign cryptographic messages. And to Tone's point, you could already do that with Trezor and most other hardware wallets. It was just a much more difficult uh, yeah, right. experience. Exactly. I like you know a wallet making it super easy for me to prove uh, that I can sign a key. And uh, whether I choose to use that with a compliant exchange or not should be up to me. I mean, the more user-friendly Bitcoin is, the better it is in the long run. And uh, I mean, uh, 
some of the wallets had this thing like before it was a compliance issue. Like it is ease of use. And uh, I mean, I, I don't really like at first I thought this was something else. But when I looked into it, uh, I, I don't see what the big deal is. It, it makes it easier to use the wallet. Uh, I mean, just stop using the, that exchange. I mean, that's the, I mean, the, stop using that particular exchange that makes you do it. That's the real thing. All right. I, I, I like this. We're getting, it's getting nuanced opinions here. It's not just, a, you know, there, there's some guys online, like this is horrible. Privacy is going down the tubes. You, you added some, uh, you guys had some good points there. All right. Steve Barber just joined us. Um, sorry, sorry, guys. It's all right, sorry. dude. It is all right. Do you know about this? Uh, what's the uh, what's it, this address ownership proof protocol that uh, Trezor is doing? Yeah, I heard about it yesterday. Uh, I haven't uh, looked into it very much, but it it looked a bit concerning at first glance. Um, so I, while I while I don't know, you know exactly the justification. So I don't want to be critical yet because I, I can't say I've researched it, but uh, I sort of wonder why they need to be proactive like that. Maybe they're just trying to make more sales instead well, of. Uh, I, I think it's. I, I think it is because those two countries already require it. I mean, I, I assume that's. A, Phil, why do you think they are being proactive like that, Phil? Well, so again, I don't think they're the only ones that were proactive. I think a lot of open source uh, wallets were adding support for it. So things like uh, Bitbox. Trezor, Blue Wallet, Sparrow, I think there's some other ones as well. And I think the reason that these wallets were adding this functionality is to improve and standardize how we sign cryptographic messages using our private key. So I think like there's actually a lot of benefit to standardizing and making this easy. Um, again, the benefit that I think is kind of cool is if you're you know sharing keys in a multi-sig arrangement and you want your third party uh, collaborative custody partner to prove that they have your key or a key for your address, um, it would make it really easy to do something like that. Um, so there's definitely some nuance there. Like regulations are kind of lame, but to Tone's point, like if you're if you're sharing, you know, an address or sharing an extended public key with an exchange, you're actually giving up in my mind like just as much, if not more, uh, information than you need. So there's actually some privacy preserving functionality in there. But I think it was just the the rationale for adding it and the way that it was uh kind of marketed that rubbed people the wrong way yeah i look this functionality is somewhat useful regardless of whether the regulators wanted or not and this functionality has been asked for by users long before it was ever a requirement from the exchange uh, so this is why um, I, I think the, the whole story is a little overblown. Yeah, the, the, the old way of signing was a pain in the tuchless too. I mean, so this, uh, there, there, there's a positive. It makes it easier. All right. All right. All right. I, I, let, let's leave these, uh, these, uh, the, the, well, we're not going to leave the government behind here. We're, we're going to jump to, to a, an, an American uh, government story here. Uh, Biden administration to regulate Bitcoin as a matter of national security. Uh, says a report, the White House, and, and remember that national security right there, right? <laughs> that's an excuse for everything. And that's my problem with this. Uh, the White House wants to bring order to the haphazard approach that is currently being employed by Bitcoin regulators to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. The Biden administration will release an executive order 
remember that too, in the coming weeks to ask federal agencies with, uh, to task federal agencies with assessing the risk and opportunities that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies pose, Bloomberg first reported. All right. So I don't like this uh, national security that, that you can, you can call anything a national security threat and say, oh, we need an executive order. Executive orders, this is not the way the country was supposed to be run. So I, I'm wondering if this is just going to be a big show, um, if it, it's it's going to be a lot of fluff and uh, it, it won't amount to anything and just big scary language to say it's a it's a security threat or a, a security, a national. Uh, Tone, you're a big fan of the current administration. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of this? Yeah, so the the whole executive order, uh, the ability of the president to sign an executive order and make it a law is getting abused more and more with every single president, right? So every single president uh, since the original executive order that confiscated gold uh, by FDR, every president since then has signed more and more executive orders because they just don't want to bother with the legislative branch or the judiciary branch and they are basically irrelevant to the president it especially worries me with our current president not to get too political but i personally believe our current president doesn't even know what day it is what month it is what planet he's actually on so what really concerns me is who is actually speaking into his ear because whoever is speaking into his ear can put out can put in any regulation, any legislation with absolute zero accountability because no one actually knows who is in the president's ear. And since the president doesn't know what the hell is going on, no one is actually being held accountable for anything in the current administration. So I do think this is potentially serious. So here's the thing, right? Um, could they just be blowing smoke just to say something, to say something maybe? But um, I do think this is concerning because of everything I just said. And um, in the eyes of the government, like in our eyes, Bitcoin is the greatest thing that can happen to humanity. In the eyes of the government, especially the US government, Bitcoin is the biggest threat uh, the government has ever seen, right? worse than al-Qaeda, worse than climate change, worse than anything. In reality, behind the curtain, this is their biggest and greatest fear, fear that Bitcoin could actually destroy the U.S. dollar. Now, we make fun of it based on how small Bitcoin is, but we all know that the ultimate future, if Bitcoin succeeds, is the failure of the U.S. dollar. So I do think they are going to act very, very aggressively. Now, here's the good news. They're, like, they're going to act like a drug addict who's being threatened to lose his drugs. Yeah, 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 pretty much, yeah. Now, here, here's the good news. And there's a silver lining, maybe. The good news is that the way the government has handled pretty much every single thing in the last year is making the majority of the people, at least the people with a slightly higher IQ, completely disregard anything and everything coming from the government. So I'm actually very happy that this is coming at this point in history as we are on the verge of potentially, you know, arresting Fauci. I think that will come in the next year. Definitely not going to come soon, 
but depending on what happens in the 2020 midterm elections. And uh, so sometime in the next 12 to 24 months, I believe that the uh, the medical, the pharmaceutical industry will actually be exposed. I think it'll come sooner than later. I think uh, Twitter and YouTube and Facebook are in actual trouble because they are censoring way too many people and uh, it can turn on them very quickly. So I think we're entering this period in time where morality of the people will start to outweigh the laws of the land. For drugs, it took about 40, like, like 20, 30 years and people ignored them enough. So I think that um, if this executive order waited another year or two, I think it would be better. And then it would come in and everyone's going to say, hey, who cares? This is what I said about Russia versus China and banning mining. When China banned mining, that's doable. The Chinese listen to their government and the Chinese have the um, eye in the sky. They have the surveillance machine to enforce a mining ban. Russia has neither of those. Right? Like Russians do not listen to the government the way the Chinese listen to the government. They tend to do whatever the hell they want, um, even within their own country. And two, Russia does not have the kind of surveillance on their own citizens or control of their own citizens to uh, get it done. So U.S. is somewhat in between, right? They don't have the kind of surveillance nor the kind of obedience of their people like China, but they're also not like Russia. Like Americans do try to obey the laws more so of their own country than, than Russia. So they're somewhere in between. Uh, so there you go. I'll, I'll leave it there. All right. That's a unique beast for you right there. Pound that like button. All three of these guys are linked to below. Follow them on Twitter. I, I will say that the, I don't what can they really do with a uh, executive order at this point? The last executive order was ruled uh, uh, with the, uh, the the mandates for uh, companies over 100 uh, employees was ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. I, I think this might be a lot of bluster. Again, it gets everybody in the mindset that uh, everything's a threat to national security. Uh, I mean, it, I, 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 you bring up some good points there. If they call everything a threat to national security, then no one's going to take anybody seriously anymore. Right. And, and, and I just, I wonder. We should we should expect this uh, kind of regulation, though. You know, whether whether regulation is, you know, brought in through this executive order or something else. You know, uh, cryptocurrency is has been reasonably unregulated. It should obviously, I think, stay unregulated. But, uh, you know, I expect like as a someone more focused in the mining market and selling and building mining uh, uh, tools, I fully expect to see mining licenses and pool licenses and uh, permitting and and mining specific royalties and mining specific taxes and all the same crap you get in 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 the minerals industry right oil and gas minerals extraction you have royalties you have uh you have to get permits you know you have to buy buy leases on the land you're gonna have to do the same thing that's right that's what i'm expecting i mean yeah it's obviously the government is <laughs> there's been a lot of signs the last two years the government is going to do something that we're not going to be exactly happy about in terms of regulating uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, whatever you want to say. Although in the United States of America, we still have a Congress apparently, and there are members of the Congress, the Senate and the House of Representatives that seem reasonable uh, in the, in this situation. And 
I, I again with this a potential executive order, there's only it's only so much that it can do, and I wonder how much of it is virtue signaling, and how much of it is just impulsive, like. He's deciding, well, this person's speaking in my ear a little bit louder today, so I'm going to go go with this. It, it, it would be interesting to know uh, who in the executive branch is the big hater of, uh, of Bitcoin. We know in the legislative branch who's the big uh, hater of Bitcoin. That's uh, Elizabeth Warren, obviously, and, and her and her ilk. But uh, and Janet it, Yellen, Janet, I, the Meister, Meister. It's, yes. Janet, it's Janet Yellen, the, the Treasury Secretary. She hates it. Okay, yeah, that is part of the... That is under the executive branch, isn't it? I, mean, yeah. I, I don't even know. This bureau, we shouldn't even have a freaking treasury secretary. It's completely ridiculous. Any, anyway, but yeah, no, no, no. You, you, point well taken. Yeah. The, also, 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 the Federal Reserve is under the executive branch. I'm always trying to yeah. explain this on my channel. Uh, Jero, the head of the uh, the head of the Federal Reserve gets appointed by the president, so they're basically his waiter. And if they don't do what, there is Butler. So Jerome Powell is uh by whoever is in Biden's ear, Jerome Powell's is butler. And if Jerome Powell doesn't do what uh what the executive branch wants him to do, he'll get fired and replaced. Okay. Well, we're going to keep an eye on this. This could be all forgotten soon enough too. I mean, you know, what what distracting, you know, now we're going to have a black supreme court uh female. I mean, that could be just the latest news. They could go with that for a while and forget about Bitcoin. I mean, <laughs> that that'll entertain a big uh, portion of the population. That's bread and circuses right there. Uh Phil, what what's your what's your take on executive orders and uh and is is the Congress completely inept now? What's what's going on? Yeah, what I think is really funny is uh you know, you have uh, Biden putting out executive orders or proposing executive orders like this. And then at the same time, you have uh, different state governors and senators and congressmen and women actually doing the opposite, right? Pushing Bitcoin adoption. So Texas, I think in particular, is a great example of that, where they're trying to be really welcoming to Bitcoin mining to you know fortify the grid and uh, bring that prosperity here to Texas. And that seems to me in, to be in conflict with you know how the federal government's thinking about it. So uh, I'm kind of glad that we have uh, the state sovereignty or at least some state rights that protect us from these ridiculous federal mandates. Oh, thank God for the 50 states, the experiments. I mean, if uh, Steve can tell us how in Canada, it's, it's not that the federal government is so much stronger there, but there's a convoy going to a Trudeau's house. And maybe you could talk about that later. That, that, that's awesome news, but we're not hearing about it much in America because the mainstream media is not covering this big truck convoy up in Canada. And I am proud of the Canadians for really finally stepping up their game there. Because it was, it's kind of sad seeing, you know, hearing some of the stuff that's coming out of Canada in terms of being compliant. But what's going on up there uh, with this truck convoy is freaking awesome. But you bring up Texas, uh, and that's, that's a very good segue. The governor of Texas uh, is, is a fan of, of Bitcoin mining uh, suddenly here, Phil. Uh, what's Greg Abbott doing? And he, he's explaining, I mean, this being a big story is awesome. It's the, the the national media jumps right away when we hear about Bitcoin mining that it kills the environment. It's not energy efficient, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I don't even like arguing with these freaks because you have to talk about the carbon nonsense and you don't even want to validate any, any. And Steve, you've mentioned this in the past. You know, don't even argue with these people on certain issues because you you're validating stuff that is is totally illegitimate. But what uh, Greg Abbott is is proposing here, you're bringing uh, mining to Texas to help the power grid, stuff that actually 
the positives of Bitcoin mining that so few in the national media actually, well, none in the national media uh, bring up. Greg Abbott seems to be bringing up. So, Phil, you're you're our Texas expert here. What? Why is he doing this? And uh, what's going on? I think a lot of it has to do with the the efforts of the Texas uh, Blockchain or Bitcoin Council uh, working uh, with with the the governor and with the the Texas government. Um, they've done really great work with putting together a nice like regulatory framework for Bitcoin in the state of Texas. And I think uh, you know we made national news last year because Texas has its own power grid, so it's separate from the rest of the U.S. Uh, the benefit is that we're the sovereign state of Texas, so if we need to, we'll, we'll be fine if we get cut off from the rest of the country. But the 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 kind of downside to that is that you know if there are any shocks to the system, that's all on ERCOT is what it's called. So in order to strengthen the grid here in Texas, what we need to do is generate significantly more power so that we never run into a scenario where we have to um, where we don't have enough energy. And Bitcoin mining helps with that tremendously because uh, what it does is it will buy all of the cheapest electricity you can sell to it. And so as an energy producer, what you can focus on is just producing more energy more efficiently. Uh, so Bitcoin mining is great because it'll help us to strengthen the grid. It removes that demand side from the equation because you'll always have someone to buy that energy. Uh, so you can focus on on producing more. Um, so, yeah, I think the plan is to just strengthen the grid by introducing Bitcoin mining. And in the event where there is a, a shock and there is demand that spikes for energy, uh, you can just shut down your your ASICs. You can shut down your mining chips. It's not not too bad. Um, you know, the the energy producer can choose to sell the electricity to someone who's paying more for it. And uh, we can think of it as like a, a battery or a flexible way to deal with uh, different demand in, in terms of power. Do you think Greg Abbott believes in the innovation that, and the jobs that can be brought to Texas because of this? Or is he being influenced by the Bitcoin uh, lobby now? Does he see that the Bitcoin lobby is a growing power and he wants to jump on the train? I think a little bit of both. I mean, I've, I think we've all seen what happened uh, to the president of El Salvador when he started talking about uh, Bitcoin. In a lot of ways, he put El Salvador on the map for people. Uh, I don't think many folks were really considering El Salvador prior to the fact that they added Bitcoin as legal tender. Um, so politicians around the world are looking at that and being like, oh, if I start tweeting positively or you know saying positive things about Bitcoin, um, I have a contingent of people around the world that are going to back me. I mean, I think even Peter McCormick purchasing the, the football club in Bedford is a good example of that. It's like this random soccer team that now has international support because it has Bitcoin attached to it. So politicians recognize that. I think Greg Abbott is uh, he's been influenced by um, you know, Parker Lewis and our CEO, Joe Kelly and, um, Christopher Calicott from uh, TVP. And, uh, I've heard that he actually has a signed copy of the Bitcoin standard from safety. And I don't know if he's read the whole thing, but, uh, he's, he's definitely on his way. Well, you also later in the show, you got to talk about these huge Houston meetups that I've been hearing about. I mean, they're, they're freaking legendary, uh, from what I heard, uh, Steve Barber, what's your take on Texas, uh, Bitcoin mining? Uh, the governor of Texas, have you heard about this? Yeah, I mean, Texas has been pretty pro-Bitcoin for a while. I mean, uh, there is a lot of spirit, Bitcoin spirit there. We have a lot of customers down there. Uh, we have a lot of competition starting down there. Uh, Texas is like the place to be right now, it seems like, uh, for... You know, Bitcoin mining, just not the industry, but the culture. Uh, it, it definitely seems like a hot spot. 
I mean, I look at it like being here in Canada. Um, I find it's, it saddens me not to see my own call it Texas of Canada, like Alberta have the similar spirit because we have very similar industry, similar opportunity, uh, similar, you know, uh, quality of people like hardworking, you know, blue collar people up here as well. And we just don't, we just don't seem to have the same uh, excitement around Bitcoin yet. Uh, like generally in the industry, I just don't see it. Like we don't have the same meetups, uh, the same influential people, um, as we, as we're seeing like in places like Austin in the Bitcoin community. So yeah, I, I sort of like jealous, like uh, a little bit, like I want, I want to see, uh, cause you know, I, I, I do love Canada. I wish, uh, you know, we could see more positive things happening up here, but that's why, you know, we're going to, we're my company, we're going to stick it up here, grind it out and, and try to carve, uh, do our part to carve a community out up here as well. But Texas looks so good right now that like, I'm, taking a serious look at expanding our fabrication down to Texas and our, and our motors and services and everything we do from our base up here, like having a, a U.S. Uh, side of that. Because uh, from a business standpoint, uh, Texas is such a great place to be. It's such a great place to be. And I'd, I'd love to be in the thick of it down there and have dual citizenship. That would just be so cool. Dude, well, I met you in Alberta, in Calgary, in 2018, and that's my first time ever in the uh, great province of Alberta, my favorite province in all of freaking Canada. I'm telling you the truth because the people are hardcore there, and Edmonton reminded me of Austin. It really did, and yes, Alberta reminded me of Texas, but I mean, you bring up the point. It's definitely not as hardcore as Texas uh, uh, currently, but uh, hopefully it can be. Now, I want to talk to... my fellow traveler, Tone Vase here, um, uh, get his take on Texas. Um, and well, it'll be a good segue into your El Salvador travels too. And can we, you know, Nevada is no Texas and Nevada is no Florida. So, uh, you know, you're, you're having an event in, in Nevada. Will it always be in Nevada? Uh, could, could, could unconfiscated one day move to Miami or, or, or to, to Texas? So I, I put a lot on your plate there, Tone. So yeah, well, uh, well, where do I begin? Let's begin with Canada first. Uh, Canada's in trouble. Uh, maybe I'm too principled. I never, ever, ever plan to set foot in that country. And I spent a lot of time in Montreal and uh, and Toronto. Had such huge Bitcoin communities. Uh, Francis Poulier, I believe, is still a criminal in Canada for having a barbecue with three people. He's never coming back. Uh, like it, it, it's bad. It, it, it's really, really bad. Like, and my friends are getting out of there. Bitcoin mechanics, several others I don't want to name. Uh, trying to get out of there as best as they can. Uh, Nevada is another tone, man. All the good people are leaving, leaving us behind. It's going to be so much yeah. harder for us now. So, right, Vitalik's still there. I didn't know that. I didn't know he was still up here. I, I think he is. I mean, well, where else would he be? Uh, <laughs> uh, especially during the pandemic. But uh, uh, anyway. Uh, Nevada. Uh, Nevada, you're about to say. Nevada. So uh, Nevada is another California. Like Nevada still has, like, it's it's almost unfortunate that Unconfiscatable is still in Nevada. But we do have the poker tournament, so we need uh, that gambling, you know, regulation inside of it. Also, all the branding is Las Vegas. Uh, in reality, uh, that conference does need to move to either Miami, Texas, or Mexico. Uh, 
Uh, it depends on where the whole country goes. As for Texas, uh, the southern, the so sovereign state of Texas, every state is supposed to be sovereign. In fact, Texas is not sovereign enough. Uh, over the last 100 plus years, the federal government has taken away all of these state rights. The states should have almost nothing to do with the federal government other than uniting together to defend the nation in case of an invasion. And you know what? Ain't no country is coming here uh, to invade anytime soon. Not Russia, not China. Okay. So the whole sovereignty of a state, it's like, 2% of what it's supposed to be across every state. Texas is maybe 3% of what it should be, right? So that's my view on that front. Uh, as far as uh, politicians go, look, my view is this. Every single politician is 90 to 95% looking out for themselves and 5% looking out for people that they're supposed to represent. Now, in rare occasions that 95% of the politician looking out for themselves happens to align with his people. Uh, that is a very rare occasion. So Florida has been doing this. Texas has been doing this. Florida has been doing it a little more vocally in terms of freedom, no masks, no vaccines, that kind of stuff. Texas has been doing it a little bit more uh, in the form of, you know, finances. You know, like being a little more open to Bitcoin, even though Florida is open to Bitcoin as well. So, yes, this is going to bring jobs. Yes, this is going to look favorably on Bitcoin. And there is an unreasonably large concentration of Bitcoiners in Texas. This is what people forget. Um, uh, like Miami, for example, has a lot of shitcoiners, like starting <laughs> artists now pushing nfts are all over miami that ain't happening in texas right so uh texas has a large percentage of the crypto people being bitcoiners uh larger than the market cap uh you know the the, the bitcoin dominant uh what do you call it like dominance index would represent right so going by the dominance index 40 percent of all crypto people are bitcoiners let's go with that right um in Texas, it's a little bit more. In Florida, it's definitely a lot less. Like in Dubai, it's like half a percent Bitcoiners and the rest shitcoiners. In El Salvador, it's like 90% Bitcoiners and 10% shitcoiners. So this is the segue into uh, El Salvador. So yeah, I'm not surprised that Texas is doing it. Cynthia Loomis um, has uh, co connections as well that probably had a lot of influence uh, across everything. Uh, in that in in that realm, and this will bring jobs. Texas does have uh, you know an abundance of natural gas as well, along with oil, and this is going to be great. Now, Texas will have to push back against the federal government, and I love the fact that the federal government is going after Florida and Texas. The more aggressively the federal government goes after Florida and Texas, the sooner Florida has a secret meeting with Texas. And then email all the states in between and around these states and potentially once again try to secede as uh, as the nation. And this time around, uh, there ain't going to be no civil war. For starters, everyone in the military is from those freaking states and they ain't going to fight for the north. <laughs> They're just going to come home with their, their families. So if there is going to be a split, it's going to be nonviolent.
and I'm looking forward to that. The sooner uh, the better. It could, and it doesn't have to be an official split either. It could be a loose affiliation where they just just say we're not going to do what the federal government tells us to do when it comes to Bitcoin or or the virus or this. And that's just just the way it is. We're not leaving the country. We're just having our own little uh, affiliation between these four states. There's there's different ways you can go with this. But I do like your take. And more people have to learn about how powerful the states really should be and how over the last few years, many years, people don't even understand this anymore. So everyone becomes a, a worshiper of the federal government. Putting the president on a pedestal it leads to this behavior. Congress, we should respect Congress again. You know, give, get, well, not respect as much as you respect the bureaucracy is what I mean. And right. understand how the government is supposed to work. Well, one last thing, one last thing. And I'm sure Phil might laugh at this. Uh, I would love for Texas and Florida to put in like one law, which is technically illegal federally, but I would love to for them to put in a law saying that people from New York, California, and a few other states are not allowed to convert their residencies to Texas and Florida unless they spend at least one year in some in-between state of the nation. And then they can come to Texas. A DMZ, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So, and, and Tone, very interesting points you, you, you uh, bring up about your travels, the percentages of Bitcoiners versus altcoiners. Uh, and yes, in Miami, it is so obvious. I mean, you and I, it was over a year ago, uh, your, your friend, your female friend in, in put on that event in January of, of 2020 uh, in Miami. And there were all sorts, and we were both there uh, and uh, hardly anyone wearing a mask. It was freaking awesome. But they were, oh my God, there were many, many an altcoiner there trying to pitch me on all sorts of things. Uh, but hey, that, that's that's just the way it is. I mean, uh, this is a free, well, it's, just, it's a pretty much a free country. If you want to talk about your altcoins and a Bitcoin thing, then I guess go ahead. Um, all right, but Tone, this is a good segue. Before we talk about your El Salvador, uh, it's set to Las Vegas, March 3rd to 6th is unconfiscatable. I am going to be there. Tone is obviously going to be there. I mean, really some OG type of people that have been down with, Tone for so long. So we're going to give away two free tickets now. Tone, just say how people can get two free tickets uh, if they're really going to be, if, if they really can come, uh, do the following and explain. What yeah, guys. So um, we, we don't want to deal with like transferable tickets. So if you can attend the conference, uh, reply to the tweet. Um, if you don't have Twitter, uh, write in the comments. Uh, we have uh uh, not that many people live uh, live viewing. You could also reply in the YouTube comment after the video. Uh, if you are able to actually attend in person and you would like to attend in person, uh, then uh, leave a comment that you would like to attend in person. We uh, will see how many people request this and we will give you some free tickets for watching. Uh, we don't have a set number. I have a few tickets to give away. If only three or four people ask, you all might, you're all probably going to get a ticket. If 20 people ask, we'll have to select, you know, five to six people. So uh, go ahead and request a free ticket uh, because of the show. And we will pick a few uh, based on your comment. All right. That, that is, that is awesome. And Tone, I met Tone first in, in 2015 in person, uh, Chicago Bitcoin conference, <laughs> July of, I mean, this, this is hardcore stuff. It goes back a while. 
And I uh, always love, love having him on the show. And I got to tell you, the, the Vegas conference back in 2020 was awesome. You know, people weren't scared. It was the beginning of the craziness. Um, you, you got in good timing then. But it, it, it'll be fun, even though Vegas has certain weird rules. Um, maybe next year it'll be in Miami or in, in Austin. But this year's going to be Vegas. We're going to make the most of it. It's going to be awesome. I am pumped. All right, Tone. So you're in El Salvador. Is it real? Is it really real what's going down there, man? It's real. Uh, it, it is real. So I explained it a little bit on my show. There's no actual thing called Bitcoin Beach. It's called Bitcoin Beach. There is a zone called El Zante. Now, El Zante is a beach zone. It has about three to four nice hotels. Uh, the hotels maybe have you know, 10 to 20 rooms, uh, not that many. They tend to be sold out uh, constantly. So you want to book a month or two in advance. And uh, so that zone, uh, El Zante, is known as Bitcoin Beach because that zone, like 10 minutes walk from the beach, is like a Bitcoin center. It's not really a Bitcoin center, but it's kind of like a Bitcoin center. It's called Hope House. Uh, that's uh, Bitcoiners put it together. They teach kids English. They teach kids surfing. It's an awesome surf area. The beaches are nice. Uh, the hotels there are pretty nice. Not many bars, almost zero. Uh, you're not going to be partying there at night. Uh, the restaurants, some close at 7. Some will stay open as late as 10. It's really more of a relaxing place. It is fairly safe in that zone now uh 20 minutes away by car is the party beach zone there's not much of a beach to swim but there's lots of bars lots of music lots of people partying the hotels there aren't as nice it's really for locals coming down from the capital which is about an hour drive so that's where the locals go to party that zone is also pretty safe there's only one road in and one road out and it's kind of gated so there is security there uh, the capital itself, there is a, a region in that capital that is also fairly safe. If you're going to go, uh, stick to that area. Uh, and uh, you can Google as to what it is or watch one of my recent episodes uh, when I talked about it. I don't remember the exact name of that area, but it's near where the Sheridan Hotel is. Now, as far as Bitcoin goes, everyone there is familiar with Bitcoin. Not everyone knows how to use it yet. Uh, try to uh, you ask around. Um, a lot of people do accept Bitcoin. Uh, people understand that you save in Bitcoin. Uh, you can Uber around, like try to find an English speaking Uber driver. Not easy, but doable. Uh, try to tip him in Bitcoin. You know, you pay him cash for the Uber, tip him in Bitcoin. You know, it's slow, slow, slow. Uh, Bitcoin price is volatile. You know, like, like, uh, like Bitcoin price is down over 50% since the top. That is not good for, a you know, a, a country like El Salvador, where most people do live on a uh, you know few dollars a day, so getting that person to be only Bitcoin is tough. Is tough. So uh, try to pay them in cash and tip them in Bitcoin. Be generous. Tip them in Bitcoin. They will know how to accept it. All right, um, Steve's got to get out of here uh, shortly, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to you in a second, Steve, because I, I just want to hear about about Canada. Uh, but uh, Tone, uh, is it easy for an American to get in and out of El Salvador? And uh, Very. Okay, and how about Panama? You were also in Panama. Is it easy yeah. for Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's also easy for Panama. It's super easy for both. It's easy to get into El Salvador. 
uh, no test, no COVID test, no vaccine, no nothing. I will say that I got the glove treatment when I got back to the States from El Salvador. Uh, I had every single little thing in my bag searched. And this is where I learned I have way too much stuff with Bitcoin logos. Uh, that was a interesting experience getting every little thing taken out of my backpack and asked about every little sticker uh, that had a, a Bitcoin on it. Uh, so be careful with that. Also, I have a few hardware wallets because I get them as gifts and they just stay in my bag. Uh, <laughs> so I would have been in a lot of trouble because it's like an opened hardware wallet that has opened out of the box that I've never actually set up. So like, it's a weird situation where if they said, well, this is a Bitcoin wallet, which they actually knew was a Bitcoin wallet, a uh, sort of, and if they forced me to open it up, I would not have been able to do it. And that creates a very, very tricky situation, whether they actually believe that I have Bitcoin on this wallet, which technically is not in the wallet, it's in the blockchain, which is a whole other legal debate we would have to deal with. Um, as far as Panama goes, uh, that one is also super easy antigen test, uh, 15 minute rapid test, as long as it's like valid and that will get you into the country and you can get back to the US if you're an American with a similar rapid 15 minute test, you can travel with that test. Uh, there's ways to like people watch you on camera, you take it yourself and then 15 minutes and then you're good to go. So yeah, it is super easy to go in and out of these countries. Uh, Panama City has been decimated. That's a tourist city and there's no tourism. That city's in trouble. Uh, El Salvador is doing okay. All right, let's let's say go to Steve real quick because you got to get out of here. Steve, tell us what you're up to. Tell us about uh, it, this convoy, if you know anything about this truck thing. And also, I just want to give a, a quote of – and Steve, will you be in Miami this year? Because I – were you in Miami last – Yeah, probably, I'll be there. Okay. Yeah, if I'm allowed to leave the country, we'll see. I'm yeah, working yeah. on it. And you and I just want to read this quote of yours. Do not justify Bitcoin energy use by arguing its carbon footprint. The minute you legitimize carbon accounting, you've lost all credibility. Carbon accounting is fiat maximalist scam and has no basis in science. So I just want to read that. I, I retweeted oh, that. So now I have to explain that, do I? <laughs> you know, you don't have to you don't have to explain no, it. It's, I, it's, it's I understand it. But did I just anything you want to say? Because I mean I know you're in Russian. Well, since you just quoted that, like, I guess I'll talk about it briefly. Um, I find like, uh, you know, the the narrative on Bitcoin energy waste stuff, you know, that's been going around for a while, the FUD. And a lot of people still, you know, make arguments for Bitcoin, pro-Bitcoin arguments based on its carbon footprint. And it's just a trap. Like, uh, it's just a trap because, like, I mean, qualifying energy, the point, the point of that tweet, and, you know, I tweet a lot about, the carbon scam, but the qualifying energy on its carbon footprint alone is a major, like it, it's one aspect I'm sure of, of, you know, saying if it's good or bad, but clean is a subjective term saying, you know, uh, Bitcoin is bad because it's using fossil fuels or whatnot, just because it creates carbon when you disregard everything else, like in that energy mix, uh, so I won't get into that, I guess, whole thing, but uh, uh, for the listeners anyway, that's sort of what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a lot more to an energy mix than just purely its carbon footprint. Uh, in fact, that is, in my mind, uh, more or less uh, insignificant. But uh, what's going on in Canada? Uh, what we're up to, uh, 
saying sorry to cut it short on my end um adam i'm uh we're at our fab shop i'm at the fab shop this week we're launching our black box like final product i just put it out on twitter so if you guys are following me or if you're not following me you should and i think you have my twitter linked so if you go check it out we just got the final version uh i'm very proud of this thing it's absolutely beautiful if you guys see this thing it's for home mining or for small scale mining and uh very proud of the product how it came out so uh been a busy few weeks getting this ramped up hiring people to build them and, and to get our shop uh up and running for this specifically uh but yeah i'm pretty happy to see you're, you're talking about the trucker convoy you know i'm i'm very uh happy to see that finally canadians are seemingly sick of the crap that we've had to been you know everyone's putting up with but we're putting up with like i can't travel i'm locked down can't go to restaurants it's just insane up here uh so i'm happy to see there's some uh you know peaceful protesting happening in this trucker convoy uh yeah i hope they park on trudeau's lawn but <laughs> we'll see where oh, they go. that's what that's, i said that's why he's that's why that's why he's in hiding right now he apparently was exposed to COVID, so he went into hiding. I, and I'm pretty I, I sure said on my show this morning, right. all those trucks need to drive to his house or like the Canadian equivalent of the White House and just like park them yeah. there in a giant like concentric circles and leave them there. Parliament <laughs> Hill, yeah, they should just make, they should clog up Ottawa and just clog it up with semis, if you ask me, and just idle on diesel all day long. That's what I'd like to see. Should have loaded them up with pig shit and dumped it all over. The <laughs> oh, pound that uh, freaking light button, pig I'm with stuff. you. I'm with you, Tone. Man, there needs to be there needs to be some change up here, and and hopefully, hopefully, a bit of a message is sent at least. Um, yeah. So well, he, said, he said it was I'm just minor. And he said it was minor in the government, and the media is totally ignoring it. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm glad we're all talking about it. I'm glad. Yeah. We, we, I mean, we, like, I don't want to. I don't want to get your show banned, Meister. But I, I've said this on. I've said this on Twitter a bunch of times. Uh, peaceful protests are not going to change anything. Only two things will change it: voting the completely opposite. People that think the complete opposite way that will actually do the stuff they say they will in office, which is rare. Uh, but you either got to vote them out and vote different people in or uh, the protests uh, can't be peaceful. That's the only way things will actually change. Uh, peaceful protests, in my mind, have never actually changed anything anywhere in history. You forgot the most important thing, Tone, is defunding their ability to lock lock you down right that's if they couldn't afford right that's how not does a peaceful, it, no, that's a silent protest right that's like you actually doing stuff like, well, that's, that's yeah. why I, I personally advocate to don't even bother voting because you as long as you're using their money and they can print it they're you're paying for your own lockdown that's why like i've always said up here i'm like i don't want to be locked down so i'm not using the canadian dollar as much as i agree you know, i have to use it but like i'm going to choose bitcoin where i can Agreed. And uh, they can print money, but they won't debase my savings. So I'm not. And, and I mentioned life. that earlier that people are gonna take uh, view their morals as superior to government rules, and it's possible people will just stop paying taxes. Well, uh, it's, I want to quote uh, Steve Barber here. Governments, governments that own a money printer are not going to start mining Bitcoin. It makes zero sense. Governments tax and earn royalties. They 
just have to tax and permit mining via licenses. It's cost and risk-free. As Mr. Wonder, as Mr. Wonderful says, you always do the royalty deal. I'm just, I'm just bringing that up because there are a lot of people that think that these, uh, these countries are going to start uh, mining Bitcoin uh, for the good of the people or some nonsense like that. No, I mean, if you got a money printer, you're going to keep on printing that, that thing and you're just going to uh, find ways to extract uh, the taxes from, from Bitcoiners and stuff. Um, well, I, it, I, it's sort of that, that's, you know, I think that is rational, right? What I said there, what you quoted me. Yeah. Um, and, and you do get a lot of Bitcoiner proponents saying, oh, yeah, soon governments will be mining this for the sake of national security. It's like, why? Like governments, unless you're in a nationalized industry, governments don't drill oil wells. Uh, and that's important in national security. They, they tax oil companies. They put royalty levies on oil companies. And it's the risk free. Like, why would you not do that? So in that sense, like, that's why I don't think governments are going to ban Bitcoin, because it's not really in their interest to ban it. Uh, it might be in the sense that they want to protect their money printing machine. But uh, but aside from that, I mean, they just need to tax it. So that's that's why I think we're going to see this decade as we're seeing a trend. And you guys were talking about earlier is these regulations are coming and I think they're going to come very hard. I just hope they're not really brutal. I hope they're, uh, you know, they're not going to just stomp out businesses like mine. I, I think that tweet of yours is also an argument against hyper Bitcoinization. I, I don't believe in well, what some people define hyper Bitcoinization as, uh, as becoming like the world reserve currency or something like that. These governments are going to, they're going to have so many tricks in their books to keep their fiat uh, going, whether it be central bank digital currencies. I mean, this is a, t a topic for another show, but uh, I, I just uh, wanted to bring that up a little bit. I, I, I'm no uh, believer in uh, all of a sudden now everybody's going to be using Bitcoin. It's these people are these people are loyal slaves. They're going to do exactly what their governments are going to do. They're going to believe in the money printer. It, that's a patriotic thing that my government is printing up all this money and giving <laughs> free money and, and stuff. Well, anyway, Steve, I'm, I'm, I'll let you get out of here. But I, I'm glad you've, you've updated us on the, uh, the 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 Canada situation and uh, keep on being in motion up there. And who knows? Uh, maybe Alberta will secede and join the United States of America. I, I've I've suggested that before. Well, we up here we'd like to join Texas. We don't want to join the U.S. We want to bypass many of the many of the bad states and just join join places like Wyoming, Texas, uh, you know, the Dakotas. That's where I'd like to join. But okay, you can well, get the uh, get the Texas uh, Texas Bitcoin meetup Edmonton. All right, yeah. So tell us about this uh, this Houston uh, meetup. How big it is, Phil, and what uh, what what's Unchained up to lately? And th thanks for having me, guys. Just want to say thank you and talk later all right see you man yeah so we uh so i guess you know unchained has been sponsoring a few different bitcoin meetups here in texas uh for the last few years uh, we have the austin bit devs meetup which is the uh, third thursday of the month uh, we had our inaugural uh new office uh bit devs kickoff last week here that's right friends don't let friends sell bitcoin um we're, we're helping to sponsor and form uh, the Bitcoin Commons in Austin, Texas. And the Bitcoin Commons is going to be uh, kind of a co-working space, an open Bitcoin uh, kind of learning area. Um, we have other, other sponsors. Uh, I know Tales from the Crypt and Marty Bent is setting up shop at the Bitcoin Commons. I know Jimmy Song is going to be giving some, uh, teaching some classes here. 
But uh, yeah, if you're interested, uh, just be on the lookout for more information about the Bitcoin Commons. That's where the Austin BitDevs meetup is going to be hosted. And again, that's the third Thursday of the month. Now, the, the last Thursday of the month uh, is the Houston Bitcoin meetup. <clears throat> and the Houston Bitcoin meetup has now been running, I think, for about seven, eight months. And it is becoming massive. And it is, it is definitely something to check out if you are in Houston. So it's uh, hosted in an old, uh, in, in not an old, but a, in a car storage uh, facility, warehouse. And there are about you know, 200 to 300 people that show up every month. And the focus is on energy production and Bitcoin. So there's a lot of oil and gas folks in the room, a lot of Bitcoin miners. There's usually a Bitcoin mining panel um, with a, you know, Adam from Upstream Data and Marty Bent and uh, Griffin, a few other folks uh, in the Bitcoin mining space. Definitely worth checking out the Houston Bitcoin meetup if you are in town. You can register for the Houston Bitcoin meetup and the Austin BitDev uh, meetup on meetup.com. And uh, they're very, very consistent. Third Thursday of the month is the Austin meetup. The last Thursday of the month is the Houston meetup. All right, dude, you, you're in motion. Houston is the fourth freaking largest city in the United States by population. So, of course, they're having good things there. And, of course, you gave me this shirt in Miami in person. That's uh, right. Last year. Again, I love I love what it says on the back of, of the shirt there. Uh, are you are you going to be in Miami again this year? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I'll be in Miami. We're, uh, we're going to be – we'll have a, quite a few folks from Unchained there. Um, yeah, really excited to, to be showing up again. And uh, we have a lot of good things coming uh, for 2022. I think in particular, we just launched uh, our IRA program, the Unchained IRA, uh, which allows you, you know, if you have an old 401k or an old legacy traditional or Roth IRA, you can now roll that over partially or fully into Bitcoin where you're controlling a majority of the private keys. So it's set up in a vault. Um, if you have like a old Roth IRA, you could be buying Bitcoin and not having to pay capital gains on that. So, yeah, that's kind of one of the, the big things that I've been really excited about at Unchained because a vast majority of the wealth in the U.S. today is locked up in these zombie retirement accounts. And now we have a really like relatively easy way to turn that into real Bitcoin that you hold the keys to. All right. I want to I want to thank uh, Mr. Tinker 53. He sent five British pounds to me. We're like, we only need like 34 more bucks to have another one Bitcoin show next week, guys. Keep on sending in. You can do PayPal me. Uh, any way you want to uh, help support the show is much appreciated. Toadvays, baby, are you going to be, I mean, you're Mr. Traveler of the world. We all, we're all pumped about your conference, of course, in, in March. Uh, March 36th is freaking Las Vegas, unconfiscatable. But are you going to be in the Miami Bitcoin conference as you were uh, last year? Uh, probably I will be. I requested to be a speaker. I haven't heard back yet. We'll see what they say. <laughs> I wasn't the speaker last year. Uh, we'll see if I will be this year. Maybe I'm not Bitcoin enough for them. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to see someone from Unchained Capital swing through Vegas. If anyone's available, uh, we will be more than happy to accommodate you guys. Uh, big fans of what you have been doing over the years. I do plan to be in Miami after Unconfiscatable. I plan to head down to uh, Latin America, Central, and maybe South America. So Mexico, uh, maybe back to El Salvador, Panama, uh, Costa Rica, Honduras, uh, Belize, everything is on the list. 
Uh, we'll see how COVID restrictions go. So I plan to travel Latin America for about a month after the conference and then come back to the States uh, through Miami. All right. Hey, since, since you're a Russian expert too, uh, is Russia going to get kicked out of SWIFT by the United States? And will it re- even matter? Um, honestly, I doubt it. Uh, as much as the United States would love to do that, uh, SWIFT is more international and America doesn't control it. Uh, it is very difficult. I mean, Russia can yap, 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 yap all they want about Russia. Uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the United States can yap all they want about Russia and Europe may be backing America. Uh, but if Europe actually does something drastic against Russia, Russia will just cut off the gas to Europe in the winter and half of Europe is going to freeze. So there's a very, very limited amount of stuff. I mean, maybe in about 800 years, when the world is off of fossil fuels, uh, they will be able to say something. But that ain't coming anytime soon. So uh, there's very limited things they can actually do uh, to Russia on a big scale, like cutting them off from SWIFT. All right. Some people like theorize if they get cut off from SWIFT, then they're going to embrace cryptocurrency. I, how about that take on it? Do, 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 do you think they, Putin in the back of everyone, everyone makes such a big deal out of Russia. They're pretty darn you know, No, here's the thing, right? Like it's all going to start Latin America. Like I don't even pay attention to Europe anymore. Like, like I think the West is done. Like, like back when I, in, in my first like five years of promoting Bitcoin, it was all about, you know, look, uh, a Filipino buying $20 worth of Bitcoin is not actually going to change the world, right? It's going to be the middle class. Uh, Americans, Europeans, Canadians, it's going to be the, you know, the Western countries, uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Western Europe, uh, US, Canada, that's going to lead the charge because of store of value property. But then COVID hit and everything changed. When COVID hit, uh, like middle class just got destroyed. And to put a foot on top of the destruction, inflation is coming, right? So now I am looking at Latin America. I am looking at Africa as more countries adopt Bitcoin. That's going to be my focus. And you know what? The West is going socialist and communist anyway. So I am a lot, I'm suddenly a lot more interested in developing nations than I was prior to 2020. It's, I mean, Tom, do you remember back in 2014 and 2015, they always used to say, it's about to explode in Africa. I mean, it was... <laughs> no, I thought it was ridiculous. I always saw remittance as a complete useless use case uh, for Bitcoin up until now. Uh, like now I see remittance as a real use case, but I never saw it back in 2013, 14, 15, 16, back when it was so, so popular, right? So now I actually see it. And... If Africa starts adopting Bitcoin, if Latin America is adopting Bitcoin, Russia will leave SWIFT on its own, right? Uh, Because they're going to want to deal with those countries and they will be more than happy to adopt Bitcoin debt. All right. Very interesting take. Unique beast. Pound that like button. Here's what we're going to let the guys have their concluding statements in a second. But Bernie or Benny von Rensburg asked me a question. Hey, long time no see your live show. I remember back in the day, you said you would only even think about selling Bitcoin until 2020. So did you ever sell some? Dude, I have never sold a Bitcoin for fiat 
And dude, like generations of Meisters are thanking me, if you know what I mean. Pound that like button. I can afford a Lambo or 10. Anyway, so, uh, and so again, uh, it, it, strong hand, people. It, it it really pays off. I know. I've never never sold a Bitcoin for fiat. My lord. Ah, oh, God, that would what a nightmare that would have been to, to look back. Oh yeah, I, I sold a Bitcoin for two thousand dollars. I mean, those guys seem real smart now. Though. You're they, triggering they, me over here, Adam. <laughs> can't even, can't even oh, yeah, and speaking of being beanie, I do want to come back to South Africa. I love Cape Town. It was awesome. I want to come back to Cape Town. And uh, I'm 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 happy to to take any airport pickup. Uh, you certainly don't need a fancy car uh, to pick me up. In fact, the fancier the car, the more um, attention it gets. Uh, like unless you're in Dubai, then it's the complete opposite. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'll uh, just keep an eye on my channel. I will be back there eventually. All right, uh, South Africa is such a beautiful freaking country. Uh, I, I wish it was easier for us to get back into it. I right, feel your conclusionary remarks. Don't have too much to say. Thanks so much for having me. You know, if you want to uh, learn more about what we're doing at Unchained, you can reach out to me at Phil underscore Geiger on Twitter or email me at Phil at Unchained.com. But yeah, what we're what we're doing this year is kind of building out a one-stop shop for all things uh, Bitcoin and financial services built off of this foundation of holding your own keys. So we can do all kinds of cool financial products. Um and it's all off of a foundation of multi-signature where you have control of your wealth. Uh, so we shouldn't have to make any compromises. We shouldn't have to have any company really be a single point of failure for the security of our Bitcoin, whether we're just securing it or using it for some financial product like a loan. Uh, and we can do all that using tools that are native to Bitcoin, multi-sig. So definitely come check us out. Thanks so much for having me on and uh, hopefully uh, come on again soon. Alrighty, Tone, you get the final word, man. Uh, that's it, guys. If you are free the first weekend of March, come down to Vegas uh, for Unconfiscatable. Uh, like, tweet, and especially reply to Adam's tweet uh, about this podcast. Uh, those that are watching live, if you reply and say you want to come to the conference and you're able to come to the conference, I will DM you uh, in the next 30 minutes and with a free ticket. Uh, if you're watching this on replay, do the same thing, but uh, your ticket is not going to be guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and try, you know, and if you feel if you don't have Twitter and all that stuff, contact me, leave a comment. You you know me, but you really, if you want the free tickets, you really got to be able to go. They're not transferable. Uh, definitely. So th thanks, guys, for being on the show today. Really a unique beast show. I'm looking forward to seeing all you dudes in person, whether it be in Nevada, whether it be in the Florida, which is now like the greatest state in the United States, basically. Texas, maybe number two. Who knows? Anyway, pound that like button. Shabbat Shalom. We'll be back uh, next Friday. Thanks a lot, dudes. And uh, let me, how do I, uh, get, how do I stop this thing here? All right. Uh, one sec, one second. You're, you're all, you're all lovely people. See you guys soon. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Strong hands. Strong hands.